Welcome to Food and Loathing, coming to you from the most consistently congested two miles of Durango <laughs> Drive our valley has ever seen. Oh, if that is the God's honest truth right now. AKA my neighborhood. That's why I never have anybody over. You can't get here. <laughs> Also, people don't like me, and they don't want to come to my house usually. But um, no, man, <laughs> I am, by the way, your host Al Mancini, longtime Las Vegas food writer, creator of the online restaurant guide Neon Feast, and a Sagittarius. And steering me through all of the live technical glitches in a dual role of co-host and live engineer Woo-hoo. is Wishbone and Vines, Samantha Gemini Stevens. How are you today, Gemini? I am good. Once I got here, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a trek. We yeah. don't even live that far from each other. No, it's crazy. You know, we talk about all the great stuff that's coming into Durango at the 215 yeah and you know we're all so excited about what's happening at uncommons and, and yeah. the, the new durango why resort. is all the construction up by trop and flamingo and twain and it goes the whole <laughs> way but it just gets so bad there that like last night sue and i were gonna go out for ice cream right and there's so many great places we could get yeah. maybe salt and straw maybe we we're gonna go but actually i hadn't been to cold stone in like oh, years yeah. right so we're like let's try in cold stone okay fine it is literally like a two mile drive from my house right right? i think i was in the car for 45 fucking minutes and there was like no place to turn and i I thought for a second like oh man screw this i'll just go to salt and straw instead because it's a little sooner yeah but then i realized if you're the guy that's turning in if you're going uh, just the basics if you're heading south towards la on durango and so you have um uncommons on your left hand side if you try to turn into uncommons you are now the person that's backing up all the rest of the traffic behind you (laughs) So after I just sat in like 35 minutes worth of traffic, I could not like be that dick that just cost everybody else like 20 more minutes. I love it. And so, yeah. Oh, God. But that is that's the growing pains of living in a constantly growing city, I suppose. It is. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, man. So the reason Gemini is behind the soundboard today, by the way, is because Rich Johnson is on the final leg of his world tour, hopefully meandering into a decent cell phone reception area long (laughs) enough to get an emailed copy of whatever we do here today and some stuff we've done previously in other places. And then he'll work his engineering magic to create the noise that goes into your head. That's his uh, his speciality. That's for sure. Yes, he it is, and he he always does a great job. But Amazing. it's great to have you here running the board oh, because thanks. you don't want to trust me touching these buttons. <laughs> Lifetime in radio, and I'll always touch the wrong button, and it's not not good. Oh man, this show, by the way, really all over the place, kind of, because there's no one big interview in the center, or even like two medium sized interviews. But we speak to a shit ton of people, um, important people. Actually, so important, I probably shouldn't be referring to them as a shit ton of people. I should probably be a bit more respectful. <laughs> to but, be fair, that's a, that's a label of measurement. You're not right. saying they're shit Right, people. exactly. It's a, it's a quantitative <laughs> descriptor. That's all I mean. That is a quantitative descriptor there. Um, I mean, seriously, coming up in the show, you're going to hear from the CEO of the company that's bringing us um, La Popular CDMX to the Palms. You'll hear from the beverage director of three off-strip restaurants that just received Wine Spectator Awards. You're also going to hear from our friend Sam Marvin Yay! telling us about the box of meat he wants to deliver your home. Oh, Chef, hell yes. Chef Gio Morrow is going to talk about his upcoming um, fundraiser for those living with ALS. And we have a solid five minutes of just ha- hanging out with Guy Fieri, hearing about the food um, in his new horseshoe restaurant. But before we get to any of that, it is time <laughs> to talk about where we've been eating. And lately, um, I've been out of the country a bit. Say, so let's start with you, Gemini. Where have you been? Let's do it. Um, you know, I actually got quite a bit in this week. I'm trying to do stuff that's a little bit more um, either off the beaten path or I haven't been there in a long time or something like that. So I went to Archie's Thai in the Village Center at Fort Apache in Sahara. Their shrimp Penang at a spice level of 6 out of 10 was a decent kick without knocking me on my ass because I like spicy, but every restaurant's level of 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 or whatever it is is different. Yeah. So you never know. I took a chance. It was amazing. The vegetables were super crisp still, um, but still just cooked enough to be tender um, along with the shrimp. Um, We also got some shrimp rolls that were good. 
my one complaint would be they're a little too heavy on the wrapping. And so the shell at the bottom of the shrimp where the tail is doesn't get crispy enough to eat. So if you're going to give me the the shell in something fried to eat, at mm-hmm. least make it so I can. So it's edible. Yeah. yeah. Too chewy. The flavors are wonderful. Just that part's. Just too chewy, so I just started leaving it off. Archie's been around forever. They have been. Yeah. I remember when they were on Flamingo, and I think this is the only location now. And um, I think they used to have one down in like Naked City area. I like, think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Down like below the the strat. Yeah, and I just knew it had been a really long time since I'd walked in there. I've been in the Village Square Shopping Center a lot lately, so I thought, oh. I need to go to Archie's. <laughs> um, we also tried the Thai egg rolls, which are more like the crispy egg roll base that kind of floats around Asian cuisine that most people understand. Really, really great. I might want like a little bit more black pepper like some of them do. But other than that, the veggies were tender. The meat was good. Everything on the outside stayed super crispy the whole time, which is nice. Nothing got soggy, which can be a little weird. Um, and then one of my favorite things, um, like for Vietnamese, it would be called bonzao, which is that rice turmeric pancake with the stuff in it. Mm-hmm. These guys have their own version of that. It's a little bit of a thicker uh, pancake, but it's still super crispy. It had mussels and shrimp and it had an egg in it that, you know, of course, hardens as you go. But when it first comes out, it's just just wobbly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really, really great flavors. Super happy I got to go in there and looking forward to going back. And again, so close to my house. They have lunch specials. They've got, um, you know, whole meals between like noon and three or something like that for less than 20 bucks. Oh, hell yeah. So you can't, you can't go wrong with that. No. Um, I was also craving recently breakfast. I'm a huge fan of breakfast food. Doesn't matter what time of day. You and Rich. <laughs> You're a little more creative though. You ordered something different every Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Right? I try. <laughs> yeah. I try. Right. So I was really kind of craving either shrimp and grits or liver and onions. And I didn't know Ooh. who was going to have. a drastic difference. Man. <laughs> I didn't know who was going to have what. So I started like searching around seeing, okay, where can I go? Um, Vicky's Diner in the Commercial Center on Sahara. Okay. So I believe it is the original Vicky's that was um, over downtown. And that building got sold and got moved around and things like that. So the restaurant is still owned by the same people. It just okay. moved. By, that's what I mean by original. Um, and so I got the liver and onions. And everything was cooked really well. I just wanted the onions to have maybe be a little more saucy. Because liver can get dried out. If you're a liver fan, you know what I mean. If you're not, then you've already tuned out. Um, hopefully, I can bring you <laughs> I, back. I don't eat liver. It's such a weird thing. <laughs> it's such a fucking weird thing because it was like when I was a kid, um, my mom liked liver and my dad didn't like liver. Yeah. And as a result, that was the only thing we were like given permission not to eat if mom made it, right? Because anything else, you know, mom made it, right. you're going to eat mom it. But it, if dad didn't it. have to eat it, we didn't have to eat it, right? <laughs> so then we all decided we didn't like liver. And I just it never never reacquired that right. taste as an adult, you know, going back. I mean, you know, I'll eat monkfish liver. Right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Goose, goose liver and chicken livers and <laughs> raw beef, chicken livers. Beef liver's livers. not your gig. But beef liver's no, never really been my gig, man. I have some Wagyu beef liver in my freezer. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll make some some one time and just see just if make you it try a little a fattier bite. huh yeah maybe okay. <laughs> that's what it was missing <laughs> it'll be um, my, it'll be like my liver <laughs> for a lifetime of boozing it'll be very fatty um i did get an order of grits just to taste them they were really well done uh, they were just a little bit creamy which i really liked um i did not get any cheese or anything like that added to it they the butter and the salt and pepper were perfect super happy there um, and I, then I ordered just a side of gravy to try it because when I like breakfast food, I like the decadent stuff. Um, it, there's there's no question about that. Um, also really delicious. So I'm just super happy that I kind of wandered in and gave that a try. Um, it was a kind of a disjointed meal trying all these different little things, but I was super, super happy. I just want cool. a little bit more something with the onions so it doesn't dry out. Um, of course, I had to visit Half Bird. It had been a little while. I hadn't had the smash burger yet. So got a smash burger, which was Half-bird juicy, chicken delicious. And beer, yes. still the original location in Spring Mountain Road. They're yep, still Spring only Mountain one and location, Wind Road. Yep, but they're, they've got they're working on soon. a second one. Yeah. They are. Um, so yeah, I got the smash burger. Um, I love the Thousand Island dressing. I love the sweet pickle. 
The the beef was super crispy and lacy on the edges, which I really enjoyed. The cheese was perfect. Um, their buns and their their breads are always really, really tasty. So that was a really great um, combination. And, of course, I got Brix's mac and cheese because Spam and Furikake. <laughs> and Radiatory is my favorite pasta shape. So there's this thing there I have for their, their mac and cheese. And Brix is um, Brian Howard's Brian's son. Brian's son. And he is the greatest. Oh, my um, gosh. The greatest chef TV guy. If you ever get the chance get- to check out the cooking with brick yes. series but that- also just check some of their recent social media because they have him out there talking about his mac and cheese okay and he says look i'm famous and his name is on the wall because it's in the wallpaper awesome. um it's just absolutely adorable um you know he really loves to be a part of it that was a lot of fun i wrote about his you know i did a story in the review journal um, in the midst of the pandemic yeah. about chefs who are entertaining people by doing yeah, cooking absolutely. series. Obviously, that was a huge trend. We all remember it. I'm sure you were doing it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I wrote about various local chefs who were doing their own, and I did cooking with bricks. Yes. So I was like, I, I, I went the officially, I believe I am the first journalist to ever have covered Chef so. Bricks. So, <laughs> um, and his mac and cheese is, in fact, awesome. I remember one point I was doing the write-up on the expansion um series that I do for off the strip. And, uh, we were talking to Brian and Anthony, may he rest in peace. And, uh, Brian was telling a story about telling bricks. Oh, I'm putting this on video and I'm doing this. And he goes, well, dad, you have to tell all my fans. (laughs) (laughs) These kids know, man, they know better than we do. (laughs) Right. They really do. Um, and then of course I got the spicy Spring Mountain hot chicken sandwich because it's my absolute favorite. That's a really good chicken sandwich. Oh you my know gosh. I'm a pussy when it comes to heat, and I love that sandwich. Right? Oh my gosh! And I just loved it because it was this beautiful chicken breast. Um, you know, the bun is in the middle, the chicken is sticking out the sides, um, and I love their green curry sauce and their scallion ginger oil sauce or whatever that is. Uh, put a little bit of both of those on there and just go to town and i just love how thin and crispy that coating oh, is oh. it's not overly breaded or no. battery but it's but it's still got a nice and it has a really cool it. texture on the outside yeah. because you get to see the spices it's not just in some batter yeah they really really take the time um yeah it is definitely the quality of of brian howard and his teams and super super happy for fast casual uh, we popped into the pint at Charleston and Wallapai around the west side of the Smith's grocery store there. Um, mm. We didn't eat. Um, we had just gone shopping at the downtown Summerlin Farmer's Market, picked up a few things. Um, we picked up a mushroom grow kit from Desert Moon Mushrooms. Okay, I'm, wait, wait, because that not means the a funny lot of mushrooms. things to a lot of people I know, there. I know. <laughs> they don't sell the funny mushrooms. Oh. They're just pink oyster mushrooms. Okay. But I'm still excited because I go every Saturday, pick up fresh mushrooms, pick up some bread from 5098 Bread, mm-hmm. uh, pick up some micro greens, you know, things like that, things that will just kind of go into the dishes that we're cooking during the week. Um, but it was really nice just popping in there, um, supporting local. Um, Nick Starr and his mom um, own that and uh, got to see mom and talk to her for a minute. Her name is Sandy. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. But the reason I'm talking about it is because I was super happy to find R.I.P. Banger Brewing El Jefe still on tap somewhere because it's one of my favorite beers. It's a jalapeno Hefeweizen and Banger is gone now. So mm. anybody who has it out there, let me know because I will happily come and patronize drink you. Drink it away. And drink it away. I don't even this. drink much beer anymore, but if that's there, so, I'm going to order what, it. What's the backstory on, on what happened with Banger? They, they, ju- they were in downtown Fremont Street. They were part of the mm-hmm. experience right as Fremont and Las Vegas Boulevard come together right, right. there by Heart Attack and, Grill. Yeah, it was a good spot to it go hang out, have spot. flights and things like that. Um, they, they had food outside um, on a cart with LV Food Junkie for the longest time. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, so you could get a little bit of everything, and I all I know, well, allegedly what I know, let's be fair. Yeah, that, and let's not get ourselves sued exactly. with anything that we don't know. No, no, true. I don't want to pretend I have any fact. I don't. <laughs> I wasn't a part of any negotiations, but my understanding was the rents there were getting really high. The landlord really wanted to do some new stuff there, mm. and it had been kind of a years-long conversation right. that I'm aware of, um, and so there was a few places that got changed out for other things, and in the end, Banger just just couldn't do it so they, uh, they opted not to open up anywhere uh, else. that right now that is my understanding i know that the there's one of the guys that um, both used to work there he used to brew there um is 
I think he's got a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe trying to see if he could buy it and mm-hmm. reopen it maybe somewhere else. So I have high hopes for that. Well, if you hear from him or if he's out there, give us a call. Come yeah, I'll, re- I'll reach out to him on. and see if we can get a story. Yeah, let's Figure do it. Figure out what the fuck's happening. If we don't that's, know, who the fuck's going to know? That's right. If we don't tell you. <laughs> Somebody come tell us and we'll tell everyone else. Uh, and then the last two actually happened last night. We popped into the Golden Tiki. One of my best girlfriends was in town. She travels for work. Uh, she lives in Utah, but she's here a lot. Um, so she and a coworker were here, and so we decided to go dinner and uh, before we went to double zero pie and pub we decided to go to the golden tiki because the neither one of them had ever been to the golden tiki well there you go that's a nice so first bang bang. yeah so the first thing she did they do when they come in they set their bags down in our booth and they go oh we have to run to the restroom and and one of the girls was kind of hanging behind i said you need to go with her (laughs) (laughs) go check out the bathroom make sure you're looking at the art on the walls but i was super bummed because i was sitting in the booth where your shrunken head used to sit it's been moved and i didn't know that Uh, my shrunken head's back by the restroom yeah that's what i understand now yeah Yeah. and doesn't even have my name on it anymore (laughs) hello golden peaky people um can we get my just give me a name tag just i I mean seriously just just scribble it on a band-aid or something I want I want proper credit, you know. Yeah, it's one was, of my I, proudest moments. I, I stood up backwards behind the booth and I'm looking at all these things and I was gonna be super excited and show off a little bit, like, hey, yeah, yeah, this is my friend. I know this guy, I work with this guy. And it wasn't there. So You know, when I saw it last is when I was going to and this this is a pro tip, by the way, people. Pro tip when you go into that um that shopping center, what's the official name of it? I don't even know. Place? I call it the Golden Tiki Shopping Center. Yeah, right. Which, but the shopping center, it's got half bird is in there. We yeah, Moss Port Favors in there, Partage is in there. Yeah. Um, just everything's in there and it's always packed. It's impossible to get a place to park. Um, but there's a back lot. There's a lot that's there a is, loading zone. There is, I always forget it, lot. but it is a lot. So because so there's there's two sides, and you can park between the two buildings in the loading zone area. Um, at night, a lot of times you have to, and but then you have to walk all the way the fuck around. But Golden <laughs> Tiki has a door in the yep. back and in the front. Yep. So if you ever get stuck that you need to park in that back lot, at least you, it's, know. you, you can walk through Golden Tiki. <laughs> so I used Golden Tiki as my cut through the other day. <laughs> I didn't even stop at fucking Golden Tiki. I wanted to go to Double Zero and um, right. we couldn't get any parking in the main lot. We went, we parked around the back in the loading zone and I'm like, we just walked straight through Golden Tiki. I said, look, they moved my shrunken head. We walked out the front fucking door, made a right, and went down to Double Zero. So I recommend by the way that you do stop and get a cocktail from Adam Rain Absolutely. if you are going to do that. Because... He was behind the stick last night. It was really good to see. Yeah, cool. it was awesome. Very cool. Uh, and what do you think of Double Zero? Oh my God. I I, I, I want to go back. Um, we basically ate everything. Um, at one point, we literally ordered all of the antipasti and then they basically just took the menus away from us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but every salad, every pie, every dessert, uh, there was something about the balance of texture, spices, flavor pairings, and more in literally every bite. I mean, all four of us were blown away. Um, you know, John and I love food and, and go out a lot. Um, he always tells people that, you know, my palate is the one that keeps him fed. Um, but, uh, the reason I met my girlfriend, Melissa was we were sitting at the Sparrow and Wolf bar and we just started chatting one day and found out that we both are in love with food and and going out and checking out places, especially off the strip, locally owned, that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, going out to eat with her is a, is, is a treat, and everybody just it was it was a lot of the very stereotypical like oh my god that's so good or oh you make all the noises and you know people start looking at your table like what's going on over there um but we were surrounded by love mike vagnine was there emily brubaker was there erica bell was there um mike vagnine of course being the 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 pizzaiolo partner partner. emily brubaker being the um head chef for the restaurant group which is it was michael's partner in that restaurant and they were both there the night that i had been in and by the way just a quick reminder people go back last week they can hear an interview with michael that's right played that that's right and he actually wanted to say thank you for that and passing that on and uh, said he really really enjoyed that episode and was really happy that you got to do that with him so i was really happy to do that with him i hope Um, people go back and check it out yeah i'm glad the food did not disappoint not at all i i I already have a list of people i want to take with me and say oh you got to try this um whether it was a particular flavor pairing or just in general um to try something different i like the dark kind of um 
almost feels like a converted industrial space yeah. in, a, in, a, in a major, you know, larger, older city. Yeah. Like, you know, some old New York City space, underground yeah. space that you'd be in or something. Um, you know, obviously it's faux. A lot of that is not, you know, generally renovated, but it does, it does have a cool feel. It really cool, does. Dark, and I like that it's small. I, I wasn't, before I ever went in, I didn't realize how small it was. But I liked it. It was cozy, but it still, even when it was really busy, it didn't feel too crowded. The bar area seems, you know, really nice and open. And you can see from one side of the restaurant to the other, you can see into where they're cooking. Um, you know, they've got the the that beautiful tiled pizza oven in that just that right corner. So you can kind of peek in the oven and see everything. So, yeah, it's really, really well put together. Um, just, just a fantastic evening. Yeah. I can't wait to go back. Awesome. And then now I have to ask you, because since I did get Gemini into my home, um, for the first time <laughs> I think ever, and I had told you I had this bottle of whiskey yeah. that I had picked up and that I was not impressed with it. This whistle pig smokestock whiskey. So I've got you now drinking it at yeah, in the I'm morning because it. I wanted to know your thoughts. So do you, are you with me that it's just a weak product it's, for whistle It's pig? a super weak product for whistle pig and, and shout out to whistle pig because they make really great whiskey um but this is it's a it's a branded co-branded thing with traeger grills which i have a traeger pellet grill i admit it i love it it works for me um but it's supposed to be smoked whiskey mm. and aged in what's called traeger wood fired barrels which i'm not understanding how that works because traeger is a pellet grill mm-hmm. um the name smokestock to me says it should be smoky but it's sweet on the nose it's sweet super sweet on the palate um so it, it and it's it's worse than than what some people have a problem with with liquid smoke, which, like I said, good brand, you know, liquid smoke is smoke. It's mm-hmm. just turned into liquid, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't it. Right. No, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. And I think that was like an eighty five or ninety dollar bottle. Yeah. And it just it's not because Whistle Pig earns that kind of price, but not this particular bottle. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, glad to see we agree. We see that. <laughs> um, okay. So look, let's let's talk about where I've been. I, I'm yeah. not. I can tell you a lot, basically, because most of it was down in Mexico, and y'all ain't going there, and I, you know, who knows what I remember from where I was, but, um, so let's start, though, with the last place I visited before leaving the country to have fun in Mexico, and that was a trip to Guy Fieri's Flavortown Sports Kitchen. I want to describe these things, because, you know, I like to give people sort of a, a peek behind the scenes of what our lives are we get invited to this, because every yeah. event is different. I'm yeah. sure you've been to a thousand of them. They're all, they're all very different, but this, you know, when you have a major star, a guy's, a guy's Guys like Gordon Ramsay, guys like Guy Fieri, um, Bobby Flay, you know, there's a handful that, you know, they surpass the celebrity chef. These are just mainstream celebrity yep. people who are known by to everybody. So when they do things, Martha Stewart, you know, it's just they tend to be big, yeah. you know, huge, right? So, um, and guys, again, a guy I've known over many years, I earlier in his career, I saw him kind of acting in ways that I thought wasn't real cool to fans. But he in, over the past 15 years, I've seen him be nothing but gracious to anybody that ever comes up to him and asks awesome. for him for an autograph and super cool guy right and he's really grown into just you know really embracing his fame yeah using it as a tool to to help people and i i have so much respect for him for that i always say i'm not his target audience i don't think you know no guy, i don't think i am there, there are things that they served i had a couple bites of his ribs he does really good ribs sure. um he does cool stuff why on earth anybody thinks you need to put a hamburger in a donut i've got no <laughs> fucking idea but i mean like person. but i took a bite of it just so i had bragging rights and so will you some of you i know you will go ahead i dare you do it and was it good i don't know how could it be good it was a fucking hamburger and a donut but you know like if you think that sounds good then you're gonna love it man you absolutely are Uh, but it was a big event and you know, we got there and you never know how these are going to be because you get invited for a round table. Yeah. So a round table can be tough because everybody comes for their own reasons. Like, so the social media people, they all need the close-ups of the yeah. food. Um, press, print journalists, they just need to be rolling their tape yep. and, you know, be able to get good stuff. I Because I tend to do things for broadcast, I try to get broadcast quality things I'll yeah. be able to use on radio or television or on this podcast. Um, so we didn't know what we were going to get with 
him and i'm like yeah, fuck it i've worked in rock and roll for you know 30 years you, it doesn't matter we'll make we'll make it happen there, there's new ai that fixes um the audio that rich turned right. me on to um really really good stuff out there from adobe <laughs> these days and so basically i said what's gonna happen they're like we don't fucking know you know guy's gonna come in he's gonna and and he's gonna talk to you guys we're gonna put food out for them for everybody to take pictures of it first and then guy will come out and he'll talk to you and i'm like fine i'll just throw my phone up on the thing yeah so um so guy came out first of all Hey, why aren't you eating? Well, that's the that's the picture food guy. Like he was like <laughs> mad that we weren't digging into his food. He wanted us to be devouring it, but it was there for photos, right? And then, it, well, okay, I get that, but then why aren't you drinking, right? Okay. He insisted on going around <laughs> making sure he got everybody's cocktail order from oh them my God, before I love he would it. start with us. Before he would start talking, um, shout out to Jonathan Wright for <laughs> fucking with him with his um martini order, Jonathan from the RJ, which was just a blast. I cut that part out of this, um, but but he had a good time with him. And, and I'm just going to roll this. This is about five minutes of just what it was like when Guy sat there and had to talk about his food with us. And this is what a, a media roundtable can be like, where, you know, you'll hear some questions be asked. I'm not, you know, he went for about 20, 25 minutes. I tried to get just some meaty section here, some stuff that I could clean up right after we end this point is it where he noticed my phone had turned it was saying something different and he actually handed my phone back to me to make sure it was working okay so he's also a good looking out guy man i do appreciate you but here's guy just talking to the press all right well thank you for coming down this is a monumental day for me uh on so many different levels and to think and i was just saying this a moment ago to think that i you know i went to unlb it's, there's my jersey smallest teams i played for it's not true um, but going to UNLV, I used to come to Bowie. I mean, now, of course, you, I, I love it. I love the, uh, the brand change. But to think that I was ever going to be here, have one restaurant was amazing, two restaurants, three restaurants. Now to me, the stadium, I'm a huge Raider fan. But this project right here, to do Flavortown Sports Kitchen, this embodies everything that, I, that I'm into. So, big sports fan. Um, love the opportunity to participate in sports, you know, to game on them. And, but one thing I always say is I never remember going to the, an opportunity to bed and, and, and participate and really have that sports experience and get very good food. Food was always kind of like an afterthought, like, yeah, we'll have some food for you. We wanted to make a space that if you want to come and game, if you want to come and watch sports, if you're, if you're accompanying somebody that's coming to get after it, we got everybody covered on one angle or another. And everything we went, my son said to me when we came in today, he goes, dad, what was going on when you started to write the menu? Everything from a mezquila watermelon salad to a birria quesadilla pizza. I said, the great thing about this is there's no balance. Just as there's no boundaries inside of, you know, the horseshoe, you can, you can, you can find, if you, if you can't find a good time here, you're not looking, you don't want to have to. So we brought it all. If we want to go high-end, we want, if someone wants a little bit more of a sit-down meal with five chickens and fish chips, great. So it's some real deal. Uh, Motley Q ribs, or well, actually it's called the American Royal Motley Q is my barbecue tea. Uh, we do the trash can nachos, but here we have to do something a little different. We do these cheeseburger nachos. Uh, the skirt burgers, so we do a, a parsley stash burger made with the with the Frico, get the Frico on. Um, watermelon salad, that's my wife, she's a big watermelon. I, don't get me wrong, I love, we had watermelon salad yesterday. Um, but a little infusing of the mesquite bowl of smokiness. This right here, don't you try it on. <laughs> I called my executive chef, Chef Anthony Hoi Fong, who's my favorite chef in the world. And I said, I see the donut burger craze going on, but I don't want a whole donut because the donut is too much of the donut. Now it's be a bunch of sweet and it's got a little savory in it. So let's make our own donut out of Braille stock. Okay, put a little glaze on it, put a ton of bacon on it, but not make it too sweet. I want to have a little bit of the juxtaposed flavoring of the salt and the sweet, the, 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 uh, and, uh, and the richness and the fattiness and that's what we came up with. And then I said, and don't, I always hate, where's that donut hole really go? You know, you know, there's a lot of people eating those because they keep it at home. It's like the lobster with no flaws. Um, the video, this video, uh, quesadilla pizza. So if you love video taco and video typically made with goat, this is made with beef. So people kind of get a little interchanged, but truly it is made with goat, but this is with beef. But what we do is we, is we slow braise that beef, shred the beef, then take that raw, make that consomme. So you get a quesadilla, you get that frico crunch, you get a little bit of the crema, the pico de gallo, and you get to dip this into that, well, you gotta hit the lime on it. You get to dip it inside this. I'm not kidding you. Game chase. 
Um, fried chicken, you know, we have a big chicken concept. So I am a St. Louis style rib guy. So I competed, this is my, that's my barbecue team, Motley Q. And I was inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, I think in 2012 with Henry Ford of all people. He wasn't there though. But there was, but Ford Motor, believe it or not, Ford, uh, King's Ford was where the chart was the big uh, thing in the charcoal because they were taking all the leftover wood, make it up. So anyhow, I was inducted in the whole thing. But these are the ribs that we competed with and we won the Royal, um, pardon me on dates. But the thing about ribs is gonna have real deal small for So this is an old hickory smoker, simple dry rub, great sauce, but it is to go low and slow. And when you bite into that rib, it shouldn't tear off because you get a nice bite out of it. But if I'm gonna put it on my menu, if we're gonna do it, and we're not a disgusting barbecue restaurant where everything has to be barbecue, but anything that we're gonna do, we're gonna do with authenticity or a little bit of my funk and freak. And then fresh from that interview, we headed down to Cabo. Really not a lot to report, man. Beach, pools, spas, a lot of resort food. I had some cucumbers on my eyes at the spa, you know, there that kind of go. stuff. Um, one new discovery, a modern little joint called Lumbre in the San Jose del Cabo Arts District, where we had an excellent meal. Really starting to respect the restaurant scene down yeah. in San Jose del Cabo. And this is like the third really elevated restaurant that I've been to down there that's just been, I mean, absolutely fantastic. If it was located in Las Vegas as an off-strip yeah. restaurant, we'd be Raving about it, and well, I you know, think on really my next cool. Mexico trip, I'm just going to have to have you help me book it. You may. I'm going to have to go check all this out. You may want to check that <laughs> out. Um, but then that's about all that I'm going to tell you about down there. Um, we got back to Vegas, and I had a couple of parties to attend. So you know, these are obviously private events, but they're worth mentioning because the first was an engagement um, party at Delilah Aww. for some friends. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to shout out people's names, but man, if you want to be a baller and have an engagement party, um, Delilah is the place to do oh, it. Yeah. And just what a great, what a just great feeling, man. It just made you feel us feel so fabulous. You know, like we're just walking around that joint and the cigar girls around. It just reminded me of just how beautiful Delilah is uh -huh. and how, how much fun you can have and don't get me wrong man you know it's nice when you have friends you know these people are a family whose last name would be known in las vegas yep. right and and if you got that kind of money you could do delilah for do parties it. like that <laughs> I, I would never claim that i could afford to like dine the way that i like to party at delilah all the time but if i get invited i am going man because it is just always so much fun from the minute you walk through yeah. the door um no matter whether you're there for dinner or to watch a band or for a private event and so i just want you know mad shout out to the to josh and his entire team at delilah man you oh, guys yeah. crushed it and the event was fantastic. Then also, and I will just say congrats to our friends Gary Lamort and yes. his his missus. They're expecting, and we are. We went to a baby shower yep. over there, and that was really cool. And I want to give a shout out to the guys from Meraki who catered that. Oh, so lovely! I, we I love didn't Meraki. Really, know Meraki did catering, and the food was fantastic. And also, Pop and Pies delivered the food for that, so that was really cool. So I just Delilah Meraki Pop and Pies. I was um, yeah at private events, but these are all places that you can go and enjoy. And I would absolutely highly, highly recommend that you do it. And I think that's about it for the local places I've eaten this week. Well, you know, coming up in the news, we've got Sam Marvin, Sean Christie, and Gio Moro. But first, Allison's down with the man behind the new La Popular CDMX in the Palms. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Want more? Ah, uh, we got more. Find me every Thursday morning around 810 on The Club, AM 670 KMZQ. On TV, you can find me Mondays around 830 AM on Wake Up With The CW. And the Neon Feast updates happen all week long on all of the highway radio stations all over your FM dial. The Vibe, The Drive, Highway Country, or go to highwayradio.com. 
So as we've mentioned on this show, there's a new Mexican place in the Palms called La Popular CDMX. I'm just figuring it out. City, Mex- Mexico City. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. We, we it took me a second to figure that out. Um, I'm brain fart. Um, but this is a partnership between Mexico City's um, Grupo Car- Carollo and the Eureka Restaurant Group, which is an American group. So I sat down recently with Eureka's CEO, Eric Berman, and he just to have him tell me a bit about what the restaurant's all about. This, of course, is in the old Shark space in the palms yep. that Bobby Flay briefly operated. And we um, started with him setting me straight on where they also have other locations. This is actually our third location in the U.S. Okay. The original two are in Mexico City, and that's where our um, so the foundations of our company are. The first location opened up in Roseville, California, suburb of Sacramento last October. Uh, we just opened up Austin, Texas about eight weeks ago. And this location opened up on June 26th here, a week ago Monday. So I guess my question is, is this Mexican cuisine as one would have it in Mexico? Or is this Mexican cuisine as Americans are used to having it? Because sometimes Americans ain't so happy with getting the authentic stuff. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. We did, we did take a bit of liberties in bringing this concept from Mexico City to the United States Things like adding our take on nachos or our take on fajitas, which are not really dishes that are, are are common items in Mexico City. But this is a traditional Mexico City taqueria upscale with family recipes uh, that were created to bring really an elevated feel and look to the street taco and how we create really unique family recipes with those uh, items here in the U.S. It is interesting when you say it's, you know, authentic to Mexico City. That is it's a city that I've never been to. I know it has an incredible culinary scene. But one thing that I've always found interesting about Americans is that they get very tied to one region of um, Mexican cuisine, right? I know people, if somebody's from San Diego, they'll be to me, I know what Mexican food is. It's all about what I get there. And then I meet somebody from Texas and they're like, oh, no, man, I was right over the border. And they're very, very, very different. Um, so... The dishes that you're bringing here, are they going to be familiar to everybody? Are they going to be things that we've seen? And will there be a fight as to whether they're, you know, a little too California Mexican or a little too Texas Mexican? Or does the fact that they're Mexico City make them a totally different animal? Uh, that is a great question. I, we took a lot of those into consideration when we were bringing the concept here. I mean, to also pick the first location for Roseville, California, a suburb of Sacramento, not maybe traditionally known as sort of a, uh, uh, a, a, a Mexican culture, you know, bed of, of, of you know, cuisine. Uh, we, we felt like we needed to have a little bit of balance with what we felt like would move. But m- most of the menu, if not all of it, does live on the, our menus in Mexico City. Actually, what we've heard from our guests is they want it more authentic. So for the people that know Mexico City, have been there, live there, uh, have family there, have eaten recipes from there, they're looking for a bit more authenticity, which has helped us improve and evolve the menu since our first location just over six months ago. So your decision to come to Las Vegas um, with this brand, why did you think Vegas was right and why was the Palms right? Oh, my God. This is an unbelievable location. As someone who lives here locally as well, knowing the history of this casino and knowing really how it imparts not only to the locals but the tourists and sort of its location, it's an international destination. So for us, having a company that just has a few locations open and and continuing to grow, all the people especially that come from California and the foundation that this casino already has with its guests in California is really a natural uh, birth for us as far as growing the company. It's an incredible space. Um, and we've just so really fortunate to give, give the opportunity to be here. Yeah, and let's talk a bit about the space because um, we were just saying before we started recording this that, that you'd never been in here when it was Shark, even though you're a local. Yeah. This space, like so many spaces in this building, was something brand new, shiny, wonderful that people had yet to discover when suddenly it was gone, right? The restaurant that was yeah. here prior. So when you come into something that's that new and that, that, that beautiful, and yet you still want to make it your own, how much of a makeover do you give it? Sure, we give it a pretty extensive makeover. We the, the sort of the roots of the of the restaurant are here, uh, the floors and the ceiling, you know, to, which are just absolutely gorgeous, and there's beautiful archways that are in here. What we did is really gave it a really nice facelift. So we, we did some painting, chandeliers, the lighting, all of the landscaping and the plants, the lushness of, of what you see here, the lighting. 
the music, uh, the cool disco ball that we see in the middle of the dining room to kind of give it some energy. We've got some fun neon signage out on the patio area overlooking the pool. So we, we really enhanced it. It was a beautiful restaurant to begin with, and we were given the opportunity to just put some sort of la popular sort of things that make us unique within the building to kind of give it the character that we're used to. Have you ever had a poolside restaurant under this brand? I'm sure you have under some of your brands, but have you done that before? No, we have never had we've never had a poolside. We have a lot of restaurants that have some kind of uh, urban kind of feels and look to them, but you know, being able to look out our windows and, and overlook the pool and the kind of energy that comes from that is pretty amazing. How do you work that into the programming within the restaurant? I mean, do you try to capture that energy or is this more of a respite from that? Like, go have your party time out there and we'll watch you and you look like you're having fun. And then when you're ready to to relax, come in here. Are you trying to maintain that pool energy right through this building? And if so, how do you do that? Yeah, no, we are definitely trying to be sort of a, a hip, upscale, fun, energetic restaurant. This is not necessarily the place to sort of get work done if you're, you know, working from home. Uh, we have a live DJ here on Fridays and Saturday nights. The music is sort of pumped up a little bit here, more than you might find in regular restaurants with a procured music list that we do specially for La Popular. We love the energy that we can even hear from the pool, even with the, the doors open or closed at times. Uh, so this is definitely a place where you're coming to kind of continue your uh, energy from if you came from the pool or you came from someplace else. When you come into the restaurant here, uh, we're wanting to keep that energy uh, high. So let's talk about the cuisine. Um, what, what's your house specialty here? Oh, my God. Well, we were talking earlier about the Trumpo station right here in the middle of the restaurant. Our all pastor tacos are absolutely phenomenal. Cut, sliced right in front of you here every day. We've got some incre- incredible uh, taco that we just added specifically for the Las Vegas menu, which is a quesadilla taco, uh, which is your sort of very, you know, ubiquitous tacos that we see everywhere now with the birria, but our version with it's sort of a cheese-crusted, freshly made corn tortilla in-house. Um, you know, then, of course, with the birria meat that we are braising for hours here with brisket. Uh, it, it's phenomenal with your consomme dipping sauce. It's, it's really just a wonderful, uniquely Las Vegas item that has already become the most popular taco in the restaurant. That's awesome. But with brisket, you're not doing it with goat. You're not doing your barrier with goat. We are not doing goat. We are doing beef brisket, although uh, I, we, might, we may do goat in the future. I, I, I don't know, but we, uh, we certainly right now are doing it with brisket. And some more follow-up on a story we reported a few weeks ago, Wine Spectator's 2023 Restaurant Awards. Yes. You may recall we spoke about how there were over 70 local restaurants honored. Um, The four really big ones with the Grand Awards were on the Strip, of course. Uh, But one cool aspect was that I went and tried to count the off-Strip non-casino restaurants that were honored with either the One Cup Award or the Two Cup Award. Technically, that's the... um, the Grand Award is three cups. So there's the Award of Excellence and then the Best of Award of Excellence, right? Yep. One and two. So there are 10 that I was able to find. That is so great. That are off strip. And the coolest thing is that three of them, there's one man behind the wine list for three of those restaurants. And that is... um. <laughs> Kester Maseas. Of course it is. He was honored with the One Cup Awards of Excellence for his list at Al Salido Posto and at La Strega, and with the Two Cup Award, which is known as the Best of Award of Excellence, for Harlow. Yes. And it is at Harlow where I sat down with him to talk about that win, or actually all those wins. Feels amazing. You know, each year we have to resubmit for the award and it's validation for the work that we put in that year. And we remember that it's less about acquiring bottles than it is to have the right bottles to celebrate the occasions that bring our guests to the table. And we're excited to focus in on regions, classic regions of the world that we have depth and breadth in and grow that. But we're equally excited to highlight new and upcoming regions and producers that deserve more attention. And each year, we are reminded how fortunate we are that we're on this journey and continue to grow our wine program at Harlow. What does it take to get an honor like that? You mentioned you have to submit for it. So what are they looking for? Well, they are looking for both the number of selections of wine as well as the quality and the spread of the wines that are on the list. They're reviewing the menu up to including the food menu and seeing if there's cohesion between the menus and the wine list seeing 
judging your wine by the glass program, they take everything into account. They look at it from a holistic sense of what does a wine list have to offer the guest in that restaurant. So about how extensive is your wine list? I know I'm sure it fluctuates from week to week, but here at Harlow, uh, how would you describe to somebody how extensive a wine list you have? We have a growing wine list currently at 850 selections. We focus on both classic regions from France, Italy, and the United States. And we also have a fantastic selection of wines from smaller, lesser-known regions in Western and Eastern Europe and upcoming regions in the United States and the New World. When I see that somebody has a great Wine Spectator Award, I think that there are certain people, especially people who aren't wine people, who are worried that that means everything's going to be super pricey when they walk in there. Um, but to me, even though I'm not a big wine drinker, I feel like a good wine list means that you know you could order anything in any price range, and hopefully they'll have things in just about any price range that suits the, the clientele that are coming in to eat the food. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that the hallmark of a great wine program is the ability to have wines in every price point that cater to guests who want to explore new regions and spend $40, offer them the same level of service and quality to a certain extent as you would expect in a guest that's spending far more than that on a classic wine with age. And so when we grow our list, we pay special attention to having a larger percentage of wines that are under $100 so that we can cater to the crowd that comes to our restaurants that expect a neighborhood experience. During the summer, we debuted a couple of pages on the list with about 70 selections called the Summerlin Sippers. And all those wines are classic wines from producers that make benchmark styles, all under $100. And we found a lot of our guests are thankful for that because once in a while, those specific wines will get lost in a bunch of more zeros and right. having having them all condensed on two pages makes it easier for the guests to appreciate that we're taking va- the value consideration into mind something that we're very proud of at harlow is if you look up our award on wine spectator they've still classified our wine list pricing as moderate and that's something that we've really tried hard since day one to to execute on uh, we're a, a lot more generous than Many properties would be with our fine and rare selections, and we don't mark those up nearly as much because we realize that our guests are going to be coming to our restaurant at a more frequent basis, and it's never about a cash grab. It's about enhancing the experience and making sure that they can come back and experience that again and again. Now, I almost, um, you probably saw my eyebrows raised there when you said $40. I would not expect I'd find a $40 bottle of wine in this restaurant. We have quite a few $40, wines. Trying to get under $50 is something that I would think I'd really be pushing it at a restaurant of this quality and this this range. So there are multiple wines under that price point? There are indeed. Uh, More so for whites and rosés, but definitely a couple of reds in each category that we make a point to have under the $50 range to to highlight. Um, Now, with regard to the other restaurants, how is the approach for each restaurant within your group different? To cater to the specific needs of the guests in each restaurant, we view our wine lists not as a, as a a corporate entity. We don't try to have carryover as much as we can. We try to have individual wine lists and it's just the nuts and bolts. Auslita Posto with its red sauce flair and, and James trees food calls for punchy flavors. And so the wines that you'll find there tip their hat to Italy, to North and South Italy, and reds in particular that are a little bit more punchy in their flavor. Whereas Gina's Cuisine at La Strega is a lot more, it has a lighter feel to it. There's a lot more acidity in her cuisine. There's lighter flavors. She's focusing on seafood, often white fish or shellfish that requires a more gentle touch. And so for a wine list like that, we're looking to coastal regions of Italy to, to play to the sensibilities of what grows together goes together but also to highlight the values in wines that are not often found on other lists so it's a more unique list with a touch more eccentric selections than you would find at Al Salido for sure 
Harlow seems to have a little bit of everything and a lot more of the the gems. You know, we're we're a steakhouse and we have deep verticals of Bordeaux and Burgundy, and we're trying to grow our selections of the Napa Valley and Sonoma wines that everyone has come to love. Um, yeah, and yeah. Speaking of Harlow, getting back to Harlow specifically. Um, for the wine geeks out there, right, and I'm not one of them, but tell me about some of the prized bottles, some of the things at the highest end of your collection you have here. Uh, we've been able, we've, we're very fortunate to have been able to collect some of the rare wines in Burgundy from producers like Domaine Ponso and Domaine de la Romane Conti, uh, First Growth Bordeaux, um, and then the, the fun thing is I think even at the higher end, finding the value in the second wines of these chateaus and having vertical depth there is something that we're very proud of. Blue Chip Napa features pretty strongly on our wine list, but also harder to find uh, culty wines from producers like Ultramarine in California that make a fantastic domestic sparkling rosé and uh, some of the great wines of Jean-Louis Chave from the Rhone Valley, as well as some more amazing champagnes from producers like uh, Anselm Salos and Domaine Jacques Salos in, in Champagne, as well as some of the older vintages of Crute. Um, so people are going to want to know, i got to ask, what's the priciest wine on your wine list here? <laughs> we try not to talk about price too much, but we do have some of our higher-end Burgundy north of uh, the $5,000 mark. And I guess we'll call that the end of this week's B-Block, although I think Al just plans to keep rolling out conversations he's had with local chefs and restaurant owners in the news section. Stay with us. This is Food and Loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach Al directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out in time at wishboneandvine.com. And one more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. Rich is cranking up the teletype sound effects, which means it's time for the news. And I do, in fact, have some recent interviews that qualify <laughs> as news. But before I get to them, because it seems like all I've been doing is, um, you know, rambling on with my recent <laughs> interviews. Um, I got Gemini, you know, as they would have said in Jesus Christ Superstar. What's the buzz? Tell me what's <laughs> happening. There's a few things going on. I think there's some fun ones. La Neda Kachina E-Lounge in downtown Summerlin is hosting a Barbie-themed brunch this Sunday, July 23rd, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., including Barbie-themed dishes, drinks, decor, and more. Everybody's jumping on the Barbie band. They right? are. I've Everybody's got a couple jumping of on Barbie. You. Here's the thing. I'm also going to tell you, I will be at that brunch on Sunday. Oh, yeah? A girlfriend invited me out. We're going to go to the movie, and we're going to go to brunch. <laughs> I, I, haven't, I can't quite tell if the Barbie thing is working or if, if it's fair. Like I don't know. The, yeah. the push has just been so massive. There's so it. much of it everywhere. I can't yeah. tell either way, but it's everywhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll go, lots Barbie. of over overload of Barbie pink for for all, and so you can get reservations at La Neta Cochina. That's L A N E T A C O C I N A dot com. And like I said, adding to the Barbie craze, a week later, wine goddess Kat Thomas is transforming Ada's Food and Wine in Tivoli Village into a Barbie world on Sunday, June 30th, for their first ever Barbie brunch featuring bubbles and rosé, food specials, and lots and lots of pink. The Ada's team invites guests to dress up as their favorite Barbie or in their best pink outfit and celebrate. The one-day-only brunch includes rosé, bubbles, an orange wine, Barbie spritz, pink and full of sparkle, special brunch dishes, fun, and games. Reservations via the website adaslv.com are strongly recommended, but walk-ins will also be welcome per availability. The regular menu and wine list will be available if you're just not that Barbie person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what my favorite Barbie outfit to where would right? you do that? I don't know how I'm going to get I can't do Ken. Anyway, I, continue. <laughs> I mean, you could. We could get you some pink hot shorts and, you know, a nobody tight wa- little Ain't nobody tea. wants to see that. <laughs> and nobody wants to see that. Uh, Cafe Rio is opening its 18th Nevada store today as you listen to this podcast, Friday, July 21st, and will be located at 815 East Lake Mead Parkway 
in the cadence development that has been growing in Henderson over the past couple of years. Well, go Cafe uh, Rio. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. And if you'd like to do some good for Southern Nevada school kids, Island Sushi and Grill is spreading the aloha spirit through their I don't know how to say this. For the Kikis? For the, uh, that sounds I'm about right. Try. For I'm the kids? Gonna... For the Kikis? School Supply Drive benefiting Shirley Barber Elementary and Steve Shore Elementary Schools. That is Monday, July 17th through July 31st. So the last two weeks of the month, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. at their location at 9400 Southeastern Avenue, Suite 103. And that's the 89123 area code. If you're not sure, that's Eastern right off the 215. It used to be my area code. It used to be mine too. Oh, wow. uh, General Manager David Aranda and Executive Chef Lee Villalun are putting everything together. And they're collecting composition books, notebooks, and writing utensils for the students at both of these schools for the upcoming school year. In exchange for donations, the restaurant will be offering 10% of any menu plate lunch at the time of donation. You can drop off at the restaurant, again, Monday, July 17th through Monday, July 31st, between 11 a.m. and 9 p.m. Cool. And um, speaking of doing good things and yeah. giving and helping, um, if that last story got you in a giving mood, you're going to want to hear about the party that Chef Giovanni Morrow is throwing on Monday, August 28th at Manzu Italian Oven and Bar. This is to raise money for those living with ALS. It's a cause that hits really close to home for both Chef Gio and his bar manager, Christopher Militello, and they sat down with me to explain why. ALS has uh, afflicted both of our families, and uh, with me it was an uncle, with Chris was his mother, uh, and... Um, my uncle, and I believe, I don't want to speak for you, but I believe your mom uh, needed some major, major care, and they were fortunate enough to have family members and loved ones that took care of them. Uh, but I know that there's many, many people that aren't fortunate enough to have that support system. And uh, ALS Association, uh, the Nevada chapter, their whole focus is to helping people um, take care of themselves and take care of them uh, in their last later part of the years. Uh, it's a terrible, terrible condition and disease. Uh, people's brains work, uh, function properly. They know what's going on around them, but their bodies just give out from underneath them. And it's, it's, it's a really sad, sad situation, reality. And uh, we just wanted to support this organization uh, because it provides such incredible support for people that are afflicted by the illness. How long have you been doing this event? It's our third year. And also, it's, it's, not, it's, all, it's about bringing awareness to the disease as well. Uh, when my mom was diagnosed, this was about 20 years ago, uh, they didn't even know what it was. Like doctors, she got misdiagnosed multiple times. You know, It wasn't until she went to Cleveland and saw a special doctor, they found that it was ALS. You know, so it's building awareness. They've recently found new treatment that'll help that wasn't available back then. Um, so it's just trying to just, you know, get the word out, get more money for research so I could try to find a cure. So how much have you guys been able to raise over the past two years and how much are you hoping you'll be able to raise this year? Well, uh, the first year we did it, I think we sold, we, with the sales and the raffle and fundraiser, we were about 11.5, if I'm remembering correct. Mm -hmm. We got up to almost 15 last year. Yeah. And so I think uh, our goal is 20,000 this year. Yeah. And we give 100% of that money goes directly to them. In other words, we're putting in the staff, the food, the building, all the expenses is being paid by us. So every dollar that you spend is going straight to them. And don't feel like you have to attend. It's not about the food and the party. It's about giving a donation to ALS. Chris has had relatives from all over the country purchase tickets just so we can give people that, give the organization that money. So please, please, please support this wonderful endeavor. And obviously, as you said, it's about raising the money. It's not just about coming out to have a great night. But part of the reason you're going to get a lot of that money is because people know you guys always throw a great night and a great event. I've been lucky enough to attend one of these in the past, and it was fantastic. Can you tell people what to expect from the evening, either of you? Of course. I don't want to minimize the fact that we do throw a great party. <laughs> uh, so drinks and, and, uh, and food will be flowing. We have a lot of uh, um, sponsors for the event. Uh, on the on the drink side, but we'll do really heavy appetizers that 
people said they were so stuffed last year they didn't know what to do. My wife, Naomi, um, who's a wonderful jazz singer, will be here with the Manzu Jazz Trio. So we'll have a lovely, fun, uh, festive atmosphere. And it, it, it'll, be, it'll be a wonderful celebration. Yeah, so if you can make it, please do come because it's, it's an awesome event. For tickets, go to monzulv.com and there's a page for the fundraiser, ALS Fundraising, um, and just click on that and, and make your reservation. It is a, it's going to be on Monday, August 28th. It starts at 6, but it's a free-flowing kind of deal. You don't have to show up right at 6. You can come anywhere between 6 and 8 p.m. The silent auction and raffle will end, will close at 8 p.m., and then we'll, we'll uh, make announcements on who won things between 8 and 9, and we'll be here until 10, 11, or until, you know, we're all, uh, we're all ready to go home. We'll, we're known to stay until the wee <laughs> hours of the morning. So we hope you'll all come and, and hang out with us. And what is the ticket price on that? is the donation. Some other interesting news this week came in a joint press release from both Wynn Las Vegas and Carver Road Hospitality announcing a, quote, strategic partnership with Wynn's Casa Playa. So Carver Road, of course, runs Carver Steak and Resorts World in Flanker and Mandalay Bay. But the head of the company is Sean Christie, who was a longtime executive at Wynn. So you know that they know how to make magic together, these two folks, right? So um, I kind of said, I really need to know what the fuck this means a strategic <laughs> partnership so can i talk to somebody yeah. and there sean was like come on over let me tell you what's going on so um here's a bit of our conversation carver road hospitality and win casa playa have formed a strategic partnership and i think what that really means is to you know there's been a vision of casa playa that's now taken on several iterations it's always had a great backbone of culinary that's been there, of course, led by, you know, uh, Sarah Thompson. And because they have basically made an interior renovation where before the main restaurant and the lounge bar area felt like two distinct areas, uh, Todd Linehan and his team have taken the best aspects of the restaurant and expanded it and enhanced it. So you'll see a continuation uh, and a cohesion of decor coming in August. And I think that that opened up the opportunity for Carver Road to get in and work with them to really continue the path and the journey of excellence that they do so well over there. So what does the partnership look like? What do you guys do and what do they continue to do? Well, they continue to be awesome and they continue to operate the venue and we come in to try to really create the messaging and the experience that you have related to the food, the drink and the restaurant ambiance. I think part of it is just actually, you know, cleaning that up so that the consumer actually understands a, what an amazing culinary experience this is B what an incredible, um, design and ambiance as it is, because I think actually since its inception, because of, again, the previous concept and kind of a couple uh, renovations and things like that, I think the consumer has generally been a little confused. And I think that there can be a perception sometimes that this is a quote unquote Mexican restaurant, which it's so much more than that. So we're going to help clean that messaging up we're going to, you know, kind of connect all of the areas so that we can program the venue correctly related to activations and then also make sure all the food, beverage, ambiance, marketing and brand is cohesive aligned and basically, you know, with the wind team and with the operations team kind of set forth a new uh, path and strategy that we then cover out pushes and executes. And I think getting to the last of my interviews, since July is still grilling month, I've yeah, baby. been meaning to point out that Sam Marvin of Echo and Rig has rebranded his Butcher in a Box meat um, delivery boxes as Passport Culinary. And the summertime box just went out. So Sam um, told me a bit about that. So we're doing this as a quarterly uh, subscription package. We're doing it really, we're trying to do it the first day of summer, the first day of fall, the first day of winter, the first day of spring, you know, of, uh, of, of autumn. So really we coordinate it. So there'll be 
curated for those seasons, right? So our first one is our summer package, of which is really curated for grilling, for, you know, going outside in the beautiful weather or the heat, jumping in the pool, turning on your grill. So we really also, why it's called Passport is because there's no boundaries. We can go all around the world. So our first actual summer box has different proteins from, you know, the Iberian Peninsula, which is, you know, Spain and Portugal. We have items coming from, you know, Tasmania, from New Wales, and here in the United States as well, from, you know, uh, Kansas and from Washington, you know, where it's a great, you know, Japanese program going on. So we're really touching all these places that the real common consumer couldn't really touch. So tell me what's in the first one. And actually, before we do that, how do you sign up for it? Do I have to buy a whole year's subscription? And if I do sign up for the year, what do I get? How frequently? Perfect. So it's a quarterly, it's a quarterly box. Uh, you, it, you do not have to buy the whole year subscription. You can. I believe you, when you do that, there's some extra swag that you get. But it's uh, $225 a quarter, and you can cancel at any time. And we're bringing it to you on the first day of every season. Winter, spring, summer, and fall, you will get a new box that's designed and curated for that seasonal. With recipes and photos and so much stuff. It's more than just a box of proteins. So the, um, the first box is out now? Yes, our first box was just released uh, a, a couple days ago, and it's our summer box. And our summer box is really, it's grilling season. People are using the barbecue during the summertime all around the country, right? So we, we've found some of the best pieces of meat for grilling. So you're getting a, the Secreto. You're getting a pork rack from a Iberian Peninsula pig, the Iberico pork that's grown on that peninsula. We're doing a pork rack. I'm sending you a lamb rack from, it's called Gundagai Lamb. It's the best lamb in the world from New South Wales. It's unbelievable what this guy's doing in lamb. Google it, you'll freak out, right? We're bringing you the best grass-fed cattle from Tasmania. We're bringing you uh, the best Angus corn-fed beef, American beef from Kansas. We're bringing you a Japanese program out of, out of, out of Washington, outside of Seattle, that's bringing you amazing bloodlines of Wagyu products. So we really try to touch the globe with no boundaries. About how many meals do you get out of each of these boxes? So each of these meals, you'll get, at, you'll get five meals that'll feed two to four people. And that's about it for this week. Thanks to all of our guests, Guy Fieri, Giovanni Morrow, Christopher Militello, Kester Maceas, Eric Berman, Sam Marvin, and Sean Christie. We're going to be back next week with more deliciousness. Until then, with Samantha Gemini Stevens and the behind-the-scenes Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.